This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. So it's a, um, it was very cool. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So to have, you know, first chance to ever do that was, was uh, very special. So I felt it in pregame warm-up and I uh, carried right to the last play of the game. So it was pretty, pretty great. I mean, they got a great organization they always have. And, um, you know, they inspired a lot of kids here in the Bay Area, you know, my time growing up, and I was one of them. So to see Tom Rathman before the game, I mean, I idolized him. And, uh you know, Dwight Clark and Joe Montana and to see Steve Young at halftime. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty great day for me. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm going to send that one out to Alan Branch, New England Patriots. And join us now, it's Phil A. Perry from Comcast Sportsnet, New England. Oh, the NFL. The NFL, Phil. Uh, what do you think of that suspension to Alan Branch? I mean, I understand, I think, what it sounds like frustration on your part, Jimmy, for the league. But... In my opinion, you got to be more frustrated with the player here. The rules are, are pretty well established across the board. You got to know this is part of your gig. You can't be smoking pot, Alan Branch, and you can't <laughs> do it multiple times when you're in the program. He would he had to have tested positive multiple times yeah. to to actually earn a suspension. I know it gets people up in arms. It's legal now here in Massachusetts, where I am. Uh, you know, it's legal different parts of the country. It's actually not, I guess, legal yet, but it will be soon. Um, in terms of dispensaries, but that has nothing to do with it. It's still it's a it's a collectively bargained thing between the league and the players. And Alan Branch should have known better. And it's gonna it's gonna really hurt the Patriots because he was their best interior defensive lineman, played more snaps at that spot than anybody else. Uh, he showed up with some really explosive plays, and you know you don't really you know necessarily slap that word explosive on a guy who's six five, three hundred fifty pounds all that often. But that's the kind of athlete that he is. He's been better than Malcolm Brown. He's been, uh, you know, he's been better than Vincent Valentine, the rookie. He's probably going to have to step up in his absence. If he's gone for four games, he's appealing. So we don't know uh, exactly what the outcome is going to be just yet. But if he's gone for four games, that's a big hit. How no, long? No pun intended. <laughs> Boom. Uh, you, 
first off, I want to talk. You said you know you understand where I'm coming from there, and that it shouldn't. Yeah, and that's the thing I want to ask you quickly before we get to talking specifically about Brandt. Before I give you my take on him. Do you think there's going to come a time, though, I mean, whether it be in the next collective bargaining agreement or what have you, where they will erase this and say that the the players are allowed to use medical marijuana um, for injuries or what have you? And if so, the one thing I worry about is how do they determine when it's medical marijuana or not? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, because it's kind of a gray area there, right? Well, it's an interesting question, yeah, and I and I don't know, um, you know, unless they're going through uh, who actually has prescriptions and, and who doesn't, um, you know how, uh, you know how you how you obtained your weed, right? Um, but I, I would think this, you know, if if it ever if it ever becomes legal, like in the next CBA, to say, hey, if you need medical marijuana, go ahead and use it. Um, I would think that there would be a lot of players in the league who would have arguments, uh, you know, when they go to their, their, whether it's the team doctor or another doctor to be able to, to obtain a prescription. And I actually, I don't think that would necessarily be an issue. Okay. Where did you get this? And did you have a prescription? Well, the thing is, how do you tell if they abused it though? That's the problem, right? Right. And I don't think you'd be able to, I I don't know how, if the testing is is that advanced, but I I do think to answer your question, I do think that at some point, whether it's the next CBA Or the one after that, ten years. You know, we, you know. Usually, they try to get these things, um, you know, to be pretty expansive agreements in terms of the length of time. Uh, and so, I, I would think that this would be something the players would push for because it, it is becoming legal in you know multiple cities where where these teams are, but it's not legal everywhere. And still, you know, and when you from the federal level, it, it's still it's still a crime. And so, um, I think it's going to have to make significant leaps. Um, in terms of the law before it can be agreed upon on, in the CBA. So maybe not this next one, but the one after that. I, I think someday it's going to happen because, look, the players use it. Players use it, and the league knows it, and the league has actually dialed back its testing. You get tested essentially once in the preseason. It can, it can be in the spring. It can be in the summer. Um, but as far as I understand it, I believe it's, it's unless you're in the program, which, you know, if you do test positive, you get put in the program, you can get tested multiple times throughout the course of the year. But if you're not, you get tested once, as long as you pass that one, you're not going to get tested the rest of the year. And so you don't think a lot of these guys who know they're not going to get tested aren't using marijuana. You'd be kidding yourselves. And, and I think the league knows that. And they, they don't want to be banging players for four games left and right because of this thing. They know it's not, you know, the worst offense on the books, but, they feel like they have to have it on there. Again, it's been collectively bargained, and so Alan Branch is now uh, going to be one of the few who was, who was, um, I guess, just <laughs> I hesitate to say the word dumb because he's not a dumb guy. I've met him. I've talked to him at length. He's just this is this was a, it was a, a bad decision. Yeah. He made a not he made a, but he made bad decision after bad decision when it came to this particular. Uh, substance, and, and now he's going to be missing time for it. All right. Well, let's get to how this, you mentioned how it will affect him on the field and uh, what will happen there and what he means to that defense. But let's face it, this is a defense that just keeps, and again, I don't want to use the word hit, but keeps taking hit after hit. It's like, what is going on? I mean, what next for the New England Patriots defense? It's funny, you know, it's it's um, it's been a, it's such a weird year, it, you know, calendar year. It's not just this season that, you know, they they get rid of Dominique easily. You know, that was a shock to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they trade Chandler Jones. 
uh, you know, midseason. Obviously, they trade Jamie Collins. Now, now Duvall Sheard has, has been benched, and, and who knows what the future holds for him in terms of his playing time here. And you start to look at it and say, well, what's going on in that locker room, and particularly on, on the defensive side of the ball there? I think part of it is, you know, they're trying to make sure that uh, the players that they're building around are the right kinds of players and have the right um, kind of attitude and approach to show the younger players who are coming in here, hey, this is how things need to be done. And, you know, I think there there is a a part of this where you lost a significant leader who was, who was a captain in 2009 in Gerard Mayo, and there really hasn't been anyone to kind of take on that mantle in his absence. And I think Devin McCourty has been a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just from talking to, to Mayo last night, he was in our studio for, for Quick Slants. We had him on Quick Slants, the podcast. He said, you know, listen, it, it can be tough sometimes for, for your back-end guys, your corners and your, and your safeties to lead. You know, generally in the middle of your defense, you want one of your best leaders there. I think Dante Hightower can be that guy, but I think he still sees himself as, as – you know, maybe a kind of a younger guy. He's still on his first contract. He, he still is, is without a contract moving forward here for the long term. And, and so for whatever reason, he's a little bit hesitant to be that, you know, kind of fall in line behind me guys um, type of leader. And so, you know, I think there are things happening there where, where the front office and the coaching staff and Bill Belichick is trying to manipulate this thing in some ways to, to make sure that guys are being – uh, led by the right group of people. And so, you know, you, you've seen the people that they've discarded uh, and the people who appear to be uh, on on the way out. And, uh, you know, Jabal Sheard is someone who I think will have a chance to work his way back in. Um, but there's something happening here where they, they don't they, they don't have the feel and, and they don't have the, the attitude, I think, uh, especially defensively, that they're looking for and that they're still scrambling for answers at this point in the year is a little bit disconcerting because usually this is a time of year where they're hitting on all cylinders and these aren't the kinds of things you have to be worrying about, but this is where they are right now and they're trying to, to plug holes and slap bandages on these things and make it all better by the time the playoffs come around. It's just a question of are they going to be able to do that or not. Yeah, for sure. You look at Belichick and we're not going to get anything out of him. You're going to get the same vanilla answers all the time. But just from knowing as much as you can know of him over the years since you've been covering them, um, do you think he was has been taken aback by the stuff that's going on with this defense, not necessarily on the field, but behavior-wise? Because, I, I mean, let's face it, something had to happen behavior-wise with Collins. It, it wasn't just on the field. It wasn't just the contract. There had to be something else going on there. And then you see Sheard right now, and... It's it's not something we've seen here since 2009, really, and I just it's it's unBelichick like, so to speak. So I, I wonder how it, this has hit him in terms of how he's dealing with it. Well, it's it's not necessarily a a new phenomenon that that guys looking for deals are you know in some way, shape, or form expressing. Their discontent. It happened that in 2009. Some of the some of the origins of, of what happened to that locker room that year had to do with contract stuff. You know, Vince Wolfork, um, you know, w- was looking for a new deal in 09, and and it bothered him the fact that that he had an uncertain future and he felt like he had earned 
you know, a, a significant payday, and he he was still looking for that next deal throughout that season. They dealt, uh, you know, Richard Seymour, who obviously, um, you know, was was looking for big bucks and not necessarily, you know, that that uh, vision didn't line up with the team. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's not like it's a it's a new thing for for Belichick to be dealing with. I, I think part of them though has to be surprised at how these guys especially on the defensive side of the ball. Guys like, you know, Martellus Bennett, Marcus Cannon, offensively, uh, you know, those guys have handled their, their contract year well. Uh, Dante Hightower, I think, has handled it pretty well. He's having a good year. Alan Branch, uh, up until this incident, he's in a contract year, had been having one of his best seasons ever. He's a 10-year veteran. Right. Um, so, you know, it's not the same case with everybody, but I think he, he Belichick, that is, must have been somewhat surprised that not uh, everybody – is is really making that push for new money the way that you would think they would. Jabal Shear, Jamie Collins, those guys in some ways, you know, maybe they're trying to do too much because they're looking for that next contract. But in some ways it looks like they've, you know, Collins before he left and, and Shear now, uh, you know, have kind of shut things down and, you know, maybe shut out the coaching staff in some respects and, and said to themselves, hey, look, you know, uh, I'm probably not going to be here anyway. You know, maybe negotiations aren't going the way they want them to. They said, you know, uh, I'm either going to kind of pack it in, make sure I'm healthy for free agency next year and see what I can get, or I'm going to try to make the occasional big play and, you know, screw what they're telling me because I don't like what they're, they're having me do here. And that's what gets you on the bench. That's what gets you shipped to the NFL's version of Siberia and, and Cleveland. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, I think that part of it has been odd. And I do think there's, you know, Bill Belichick's obviously an old school guy. He's been at this for a really long time. And I think, you know, in some ways the um, – the attitude of players has changed drastically since he's, he's been into the league. And, and this is another thing I, I talked to Mayo about last night, which was, uh, you know, more and more guys feel the need to receive uh, that pat on the back that, that, you, that, that you expect when you make a good play. You know, what, that's not something that Bill Belichick is really known for. He wants you to do your job, and if you do your job, you're probably not going to hear from him, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Some guys need the positive reinforcement. They need to be told they're doing well. They they get you know they get nervous or they get worried or they um, you know their play takes a, a step back if they're not given that positive reinforcement uh, you know day in and day out. And maybe that's something that's caught Belichick a little bit off guard too. Is that these guys you know not only has the competitiveness not been ramped up on a new deal, but you know it's actually gone the other way because they're not they're not being rewarded for something that they, they think they've earned. And certainly those guys have, have an argument. I, I can totally understand thinking you played at a discounted rate and now you're making me play out my fourth year or my fifth year of my deal. And I might get hurt here and my career might be over and I got nothing to show for it at the end of all this, except for, you know, I, you know, Jamie Collins making 900,000 this year. It's obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a good salary for, for any of us and everybody listening, but you know, for, for uh, an NFL athlete, if his career ends tomorrow, you know that he he would be very disappointed, obviously. So I can see the player side of that too. But I think um, Belichick, the, the way the players have handled it, has to have taken Belichick off guard because uh, I, I think he probably would have paid a couple of these guys if he thought it I would make too. them play better. Because they're yeah. trying to make a push. They're trying to win Super Bowls here. Yeah, and that's I don't know if it's if it's like I know what you're saying. The mentality of the league has changed so much since he's been around. I, I think you're absolutely right. And it, so is it. Is it him sort of misunderstanding that, or is it him being stubborn? Well, who knows? But 
I, my final question to you on that note is how much more now uh, is the role of an assistant coach sort of as a conduit between the players and the head coach uh, become that much more important? Yeah, it's a great point, Jimmy, and it's it's not just the assistant coaches, but it's the captains too. Mm-hmm. And you know, Belichick, uh, you know, he's obviously out on the practice field with those guys, and he has a lot of, a lot of one-on-one teaching. But he's not going to be necessarily in the locker room, hanging out, sitting down with the guys, and shooting the breeze, and um, talking about you know whatever's going on that week. Uh, you know, outside of Gillette Stadium, he's he's in his office, and there's a hierarchy there for sure. And I think the, the assistants do play a role in that. Um, and in ter- it's, I think it's more so in terms of communicating the, the message of what Belichick is expecting from them on the field, though. Um, and I, I, I do think the assistants are effective. I mean, say what you will for, for Matt Patricia in terms of um, the schemes that he's called this year, uh, the, the way he's utilized personnel. But every player in that locker room, offensive or de- uh, you know, defensive or offensive, he doesn't coach the offensive guys, but the offensive guys love him, the defensive guys love him. Um, I don't think that has changed at all, and I do think there is an element of that that the assistants are really good at translating the message from Belichick's level and boiling it down so that they can figure out what they need to do on the field. But the, the captains are part of that as well. And then when it comes to the money stuff, I think that's why some of these guys get so frustrated is because the communication level is – is much less and mm. you know a lot of times the the team's uh, approach to this sort of thing has been to to wait it out and and you know not really have a whole lot of communication in some cases uh, until late in the process and they they are you they saying communication things play out when you say communication are you saying between the players and the team or the players slash agent and the team yeah i think by the player slash agent I, you okay. know i don't you know i think if, if they're in contact with their agents the players are probably just fine with it but that's but you know, they expect them to, to take care of that side right. of things. But, um, but you know, the, the M.O. with a lot of players has been, you know, let's see how it plays out and we'll, you know, we'll get back to you. And and I think that, is, is, again, it is, can be bothersome for some of these guys. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, Phil, uh, great stuff there, really. And it's an interesting thing to watch, too. And another thing, we talk about Belichick being old school. I mean, not to say I'm too old, but, I mean, Brady's of a different generation than a lot of these players, too. So I wonder if there's a... A little communication breakdown at times between him and some of the younger players that are filtering into his team each year. So that's something to think about too. Yeah, definitely. It's it really it's it's not even just Brady. I mean, again, I, I hate to keep bringing up Mayo, but just we had a great conversation last night. Me him and, and Bonnie. Yeah, Park, I look forward to that. He he, uh, you know, he he even he felt like he was of a different generation. Right. He only played eight years. He's thirty years old, and you know, you're looking at these these guys coming back from practice or. Uh, coming in after a game, and they and they go right to their phones, and they're looking at Twitter, and they you know they might get down in the dumps because somebody you know that they've never seen or heard of before said something about how they played uh, on Twitter, and it, and it bothered them, and and yeah. that kind of blew Mayo's mind. He felt like he was an old man compared to some of these guys <laughs> the way they approached their job every day because it was just so different from what he was used to when he came in and was. You know, 2008, and he, he obviously, you know, he knew guys like Teddy Bruschi and good friends with Vince Wilfork, and you know that whole that kind of old guard. Um, that was certainly not the way they handled things, but it, it's a it's a new world in, yeah. in a lot of ways. And so, not only for the coaching staff, but for some of the older players too. It's it's it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to try to get used to. 
Yeah, tell that to David Price. Anyhow, we uh, <laughs> we'll, that's a good segue because that's what we're talking about in the next segment. Listen, my friend, always a pleasure. Keep up the great work, and happy Thanksgiving. All right, Jimmy. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, my man. Take care. All right, we'll look forward to Quick Slants Thursday. Is that when it's on? Quick Slants uh, should be replaying all week. We had it on last night. Oh, okay. Quick Slants, uh, Quick Slants the pod. We have that. If you're interested in that Gerard Mayo conversation, that's on CSNNE.com. Awesome. Definitely will check that out. I appreciate it, Phil. Have a good one. All right, Jimmy. Take care. Phil A. Perry of CSNNE.com. He's great. And that was uh, some interesting conversation here. And see if anything. This would all be solved if the NFL just did what Peter Tosh says here, right? Anyhow, we will uh, talk a variety of topics. If you want to join us, chime in on that. And David Price, I don't know if you saw his tweets. We'll discuss that in the next segment. Uh, Here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire, the number is 603-883-9900. 603-883-Crowder100. We went with Crowder this time instead of Gretzky. There we go. We'll be back. Legalize it, yeah, yeah, that's the best thing you can do. We've got it all here on ESPN New Hampshire. Got the shot, wired it high off the glass behind Renek. Big hit behind the net. Yossi got hit hard, and then it's followed up by the Predators. Yossi down hard. Fisher took exception. And then far end, right here, blindsided hit. JT Brown closes down on Roman Yossi right there. Shoulder, perhaps some of the elbow. High left forearm at a minimum, and there's Yossi going off, and he is none too pleased. Now Forsberg looking out hot. Smith again. Ellis a drive. Big save by Bishop. That was kicking. And look at that play. And look at this. JT Brown is just wailing on Ryan Ellis. And we got Mayweather. We might put this in the category of line brawl. It looks ugly. Welcome back to the Stretcher on Jimmy Murphy, your host here live on ESPN New Hampshire. Justin Sullivan working the boards, doing a great job as always. And those clips you heard coming in were the ones we were referring to earlier between the Lightning and the Predators last night. JT Brown with what I deemed to be a clean hit uh, on Roman Yossi. 
And uh, like I said, I heard uh, I heard a former colleague of mine saying that they need to rid the game of hitting, rid hockey of hitting. What the hell is going? on? Would it be on hockey if you rid hockey of hitting? Would it like would it still be called Apparently hockey? Apparently, or would it be figure skating? You know or, the new uh, the new stat geeks analytics crowd and that thinks they know so much about the game. Insta face, Twitter face, all yeah, of that. Yeah, you know, like I mean, the game now is played on Twitter. It's not played <laughs> on the ice. It's you know. These, uh, I don't know. It's just like. That was a clean hit. Our game. Sorry. sorry. Clean hit. It's a clean hit. Yes. Clean hit. And why, why do clean hits have to be punished yeah, so that, much? Because clearly that's what the other guy a, was doing to JT Brown. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen Bruins do it to, to other teams yeah. when one of their teammates gets hit. Clean hit. They go after him. And it's like, no. When did clean hits become. Punishable. Why? And, and JT won that fight too, which is the, oh, which dude, is the was, which is the best. The part guy about tried it. to cheap shot him. The guy him behind, tried to cheap just, shot him. Went after him, and JT just pounded him into the ground. Like, yeah, <laughs> not even close. Yeah, that was great. That was great stuff. But uh, you know, yeah, and I, I want to see the game be played on the edge still. Yeah, you can walk that line. That's part of learning to play the game right. Is walking that line, and um, I understand when it when they it's crossed when there's a headshot. I, I hate headshots. It's no business for it in hockey. Uh, hits from behind. There's no business for that. But there still has to be hitting. There still has to be physicality. That's what makes hockey great. That's what makes, to me, hockey some of the hockey players some of the best athletes out there because they're they're on skates. They're full of skill. One on skates, hard enough. <laughs> yeah, and they can hit and, and take and they a take hit. Hits, yeah. yeah, and they take hits and they keep going. And you know, I think the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I don't care what anyone says. The is best. the uh, it's a war of attrition. It's the best playoff the tournament best. out there. You're standing at the end of that. You deserve to be the champion. So I, I just I can't stand it. So let us know your thoughts on that. 603-883-9900. 603-883-9900. You can hit me up on Twitter at Murphy's Law 74. The show is at the stretch run NH. Again, that's at the stretch run NH. And of course, the station Twitter handle is at ESPNNH. And another thing that had me going, I guess this is an event session we'll do right yeah. now. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning of the show was DeAndre Hopkins. Let's play this play right now. Clearly in bounds, and somehow the refs call him out of bounds, and it's unreviewable, and it ends up being the difference in the game because it would have been a tie game. Raiders. Rushed five, Osweiler has time and his man for a first down and much more. DeAndre Hopkins, he's out of bounds. Back at the 36-yard line. I hope Hopkins heard me. He's been awful quiet. His number's way down this year. He's going to push up the field against D.J. Hayden. He breaks to the outside, and you see the speed of DeAndre Hopkins. Did he step out of bounds? Like it might be challengeable. No, he did not step out of bounds. No. First of all, <laughs> what is the word he said there? Challengeable. Ch- yeah, challengeable. Challengeable. Well, me and Tully were here. Yeah, I hope all... I hope Hopkins heard me. <laughs> is he, he not the worst color no, he's, guy he's in brutal. pro sports? <laughs> he's brutal, and they keep giving him shows. They keep giving him airtime. They keep shoving him in our face. You know, McDonough yeah. wants out. Too. Oh God, yeah. No, he does. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. it's a well-known rumor yeah, now. He's, 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 yeah. he's like, sorry, I'm, it's great. I'm hosting Monday Night Football, but I cannot work with this idiot. <laughs> he's brutal. They keep putting no, up. But he was not no, out not of even, bounds. Not even close. I'm sorry. That's not that as as close as the play it was. They should have got that right. You tell me you can't find a camera angle that shows his heel off the ground, 
and on the sidelines, it's stepping out of bounds. You have to step out of bounds. So I don't, I don't see why that's, that's even close. And then, of course, Dean Blandino explained it, and it makes zero sense at all. Do we have that? Oh, yeah. Let's play it. This is not reviewable. If we rule the player out of bounds, we're killing it. We're blowing whistles. You can't get an advance in replay. The theory is players are stopping because of the dead ball ruling, and it would be impossible to tell where the receiver would have ended up had we not killed the play. Uh, what? Yeah. What do you mean impossible to tell? <laughs> he was in the end zone. He would end it up in the end clear. zone. It was clear he was gone. Dean Blambozo, are you kidding me? You can't tell me that you wouldn't have been able to figure out where he was. He was in the end zone. He was clear gone, and that was the difference in the game. you got to be kidding me. The NFL and the catch rules and all of this, figure yourself out. Like you, you, can't, you can't figure out what's a catch anymore. You can't figure out what's out of bounds anymore. If you need to add more cameras, you have all the money in the world. Add cameras. But they didn't need more cameras it's there. It's right there. Every damn camera they had no, showed him in bounds. It's right there. There's no reason why they should have got that wrong. And I don't understand why that's, that's not challengeable. That's the end Why are we even game. talking about this? Yeah, that's the, end, that's the game right there. That's the game. You can't challenge that because, because you couldn't figure out where the players were. Are you kidding me? He was in the end zone. Figure yourself out. Like, Unreal. what is wrong with this league where they have so many outside issues, but you can't figure out if you can't even figure out if a player's inbounds or out of bounds anymore. It's not. It, forget the whole outside thing. You can't even figure out what's going on on the field anymore. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. Oh, My God. Unreal. Unreal. Well, you know what? We did call that game right, though, Sully. Oh, yeah. You we and I. It. We uh, we took the points. Uh, we were getting what seven and a half. The Texans were. Yeah. We both nailed that one. That was one of your few good ones you had this week. Yes, few. You had some really bold ones that you did nail. That was one of them. That yeah. and the Buccaneers. <laughs> the box, Very bold yeah. picks. But uh, you ended up at 5-8 and eight on the weekend, and I ended up at 10-4. and four. That Ooh, was my best week yet. Pretty good. That's yeah. a good week right there. It was right my there. best week yet. Um, so, but here's the problem. So I've been keeping track. So was this... We got to see. Was this week eleven or week? I think it was week eleven. I think. Let's let's go to this right now. Let's go to the tail of the tape right now. See where we are in our total picks because we're going to have to make picks tomorrow since we are not on the air yes. Thursday. Early picks. <laughs> yep. Early lines. Yep. And again, we are off the air on Thanksgiving and on Black Friday. By the way, uh, I just was reminded there is on NHL dot com the uh, Black Friday game, which is always traditionally been the Bruins, and they yes. got it last year. Yes. Uh, this year, it's the Flyers and Rangers from MSG. Mm, that's pretty good. Yeah, so it gets a lot of hockey down at MSG. You want this some more weekend, hockey huh? news? What's that? You want some more hockey news? Yeah, what do Brent we got? Brent Burns. Eight-year contract extension. Brent Burns. Brent Burns. San Jose Sharks defenseman. I was wondering when that was going to happen. Eight I heard years. some whispers about it. No money yet. I haven't seen the money yet, but it just popped up on my phone. So, good for him. He's, he, yeah, there definitely, it is. he definitely earned it. Pierre LeBron breaking it right now. Sharks have agreed to an eight-year deal with Burns, believed to be worth around $8 million a year. Hmm. That sounds about right yeah. for him. Reasonable, yes. And imagine what his beard will look like at the end of that contract. <laughs> Continuing to grow. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to Brent Burns on that. He's a forward, you know, originally. Yeah, which, is, which makes it with the Minnesota cooler. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it even cooler. Yeah. Yep. Converted to a defenseman, and he's uh, become one of the premier defensemen in the league. I believe he was a Norris Trophy candidate last year. Uh, but back to our picks, uh, Sully. So here's the issue, and I'm I'm gonna have I have the notes yeah. uh, in my desk. We'll have to look at it. No big deal. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But I do not, in front of me on the computer, have our week 
11 results. Oh, no, this what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Week 10? Okay. Week 10 results is what yes. we're missing. Okay. So we'll, we'll go over that tomorrow. We'll yeah. go over that tomorrow. I mean, you're clearly still ahead of me. <laughs> But I made a little a little dent in the league. I went I went I went bold this week. I I will admit that there was a couple where I said it and I'm like I don't think that was a good choice. But I got I got the Bucks right. Yeah, remember hey those Monarchs yeah. players though thought yeah. we were nuts taking the Texans. Yes, yes they were. Yep, yep. And there we, we go. We nailed that one. They, Oakland was was flat. They need to wear their mullets more. The the whole you know Mexico City the whole um, neutral site had a factor. The whole elevation, all of it, that all played into it. That's why I, I took the Texans because. But it was all Raiders fans, man. Yeah, it was a lot of Raiders fans. There. No, it, it was. Was it a neutral site? Because I thought Raiders were the home team. There, well, yes, they were the home team, but I, in, okay. in Mexico City, yeah, really, yeah. it's kind of a you know you're both you're both commuting. It's not yeah, like you're they both all went, at home. It seemed like ninety yeah, percent. It was, a, it was, was a lot of Raiders fans, fans though. It was a lot. You know? Yeah. What did you think of that stadium? Yeah, it was cool. I think it's cool. I think it's I think it's cool when you when you play another. I mean, I don't understand the whole London thing, why they blast us with London games. I think it was cool when they did it like one time and you make it like a once a year thing. That's cool. And I think that Mexico City this one time, hopefully this is going to be like a once a year thing. Maybe if they start blasting me with Mexico City games all year, well, if you're going to expand you know, right to another country. Yes. First of all, it should be Canada. Why aren't we having games in Canada? Yeah, yeah. It's beyond me. There should be a game in yes. Toronto and Montreal. Um, but. I mean, Mexico is obviously closer. It's close. Makes more yes. sense. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. There was just too many games in London this year. Yeah, it's just like it was ridiculous. How many times? How many times do I have to get up? And I mean, I appreciate the 9:30 game. I, I think it's cool to have that segue into the one o'clock games. But do you need to have five, six games there? Like, do one. Make it. Make it cool. Once yeah. you once you oversaturate it and put five games out there, it's not cool anymore. Yeah. You know, do it once. This was kind of cool because it's a one-time thing, and it you know hopefully they'll continue to do it. But I don't need to see five games there. Just give me one. Yeah. So, but uh, finally, the other topic we wanted to talk about, uh, I, I mentioned it a little with uh, Phil Perry. Yeah. Was uh, this guy David Price, and this is one of those guys that just doesn't get it, and. You know, Phil was talking about how players are on Twitter right away and they're getting upset about what people say about them. And clearly that's what's going on with <laughs> David Price. I mean, he can just he can't get over the criticism he gets. He can't get out of his own For way. not winning playoffs. And he's in Hawaii right now. Should be having a grand old time. And, yeah, hey, you want to shoot some photos on Twitter yes. that you're out there in Hawaii? Awesome. You say aloha. Look at that. And a beautiful picture he had there. But, no. He has to say, aloha, can't lose a playoff game in Hawaii, hashtag thank God. So I, I tweeted to him and I said, perfect example of why so many pro athletes don't tweet or have a PR rep do their tweeting. Just cut it off at aloha. Like, and, and then I also, I also tweeted this uh, wonderful uh, Disney song that my little daughter loves so much, but it applies to David Price right now. So David, this is for you. Yes. David, get off of Twitter. Get off of Twitter. You're not gonna, you can't win a playoff game on Twitter. You can't get off of Twitter. I don't need to see you on Twitter. I don't need to see these backhanded comments. Like, like we're the problem. Like, yeah. we're, like, we're the reason you don't win playoff games. You're the reason you don't win playoff games. Get out. Get off of Twitter. Get yes. off of Twitter, please. And if you want those tweets to stop, then win. <laughs> There's two problems. It's not too hard. Either get off or win. Period. End of story. You know, and then his other tweet. What the heck's he talking about here? And yes, that's the Kapua suite for 
Hashtag forgetting Sarah Marshall. Was that part of that movie? Hmm. I forget. I haven't seen that movie forever. But I'm man, just gonna just let this get play. off Twitter, dude. I'm just gonna let this play for us. Like, just yeah. let it go. Let get it go. Get off Dave. of Twitter. We don't need to see you on Twitter. You're not and, gonna win a playoff game. Dave. And admit, Please. yeah, and you know, admit too, you got something going with Jared Carabas. <laughs> it's pretty pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's I pretty would, pathetic. I would agree. Yes. So uh, this is for you, David Price. As we come back, or we go ahead to break, and we'll come back. We'll talk more about that and. Uh, Whatever else you want, 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900. Let it go, David. One of the greatest guitar players as well as songwriters and singers in the business. Appreciate a little help on the guitar, all right? Daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left... He went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke and it got a lot of laughs from a lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red and some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head. I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean. My fist got hard, my wits got keen. Roamed from town to town to hide my shame. But I made me a vow to the moon and stars. I'd search the honky tonks and bars and kill that man that gave me that awful name. Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July and I'd just hit town and my throat was dry. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for The Right Time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. The Trinity High School Football Foundation is proud to sponsor the broadcast of the annual Thanksgiving Day Manchester Turkey Bowl game on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. This year's game features the Trinity Pioneers against the Manchester Central Little Green. The Trinity High School Football Foundation was created to provide the Trinity football program with the necessary financial assistance to ensure that current and future Trinity football players have the required resources to achieve safety and success. Happy Thanksgiving from the Trinity High School Football Foundation at Trinity High School in Manchester, New Hampshire. Come experience all the joys of living at Bedford Green. Only steps from the Merrimack River and Heritage Walking Trails, the Bedford Green offers some of the largest floor plans in the area with a convenient location only minutes from Manchester. Bedford Green is the town's newest luxury living address featuring granite counters, stainless steel appliances, natural light and spacious layouts, and offers easy accessibility to restaurants, shopping, and all the major highways. Visit BedfordGreenNH.com. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is a place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Stelchik with Elise Jolly from Merrimack High School. Can you tell me a little bit about some of your activities at school? I am a part of the Merrimack Volleyball Flag. I'm on the swim team and the track and field team in the spring. I do student council. What would you say the swim, lacrosse, basketball, track and field have in common? Anything? <laughs> the team atmosphere experiences you have with each team within the sport you find between the teams. What is it? 
like to know that you're leaving your school, that you've been so involved in with your friends and all your activities, to know that you're going to be leaving that? Are you excited or are you nervous? Like, it's exciting to see what else the world has to offer and what else is out there. But at the same time, having to like leave your comfort zone and throwing yourself out there is a little nerve-wracking because you built so much. And like I'm going to be different to like... Elise, where are you looking at going to school? Playing volleyball at the University of Delaware in New York. So I'm really excited to be down there. I'm looking at maybe doing something along like biology and the biological sciences. And and who would you say has influenced you the most in your academics? I would say that my siblings, I have both four older siblings, and one of them, my brother James, has definitely led me to be who I am today. Um, and Tammy Lambro because she has been there for me for the past five years. That was Elise Jolly, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month for October. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. On the go? Download the ESPN Radio app now to your smartphone and take us with you. Welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Played that one for my man Justin Sullivan here. Love, boards. love, love me some Bruno Mars. He's a big Bruno Mars fan. So mm. Every once in a while, i got to play a little something for him, right? You know, <laughs> he puts up with my music. But uh, you know, I love your music, though. Oh, most, thank you. Thank we're, you. we're on board with most of the music. Okay. You know? All right, good. We have a lot of variety. Yes. That's what we try to bring to the show here. And uh, you know what? We haven't t- talked about any Celtics uh, today, my friend. And uh, it looks like Mr. Horford is over his concussion, huh? Yeah, uh, making He's back an, with a making force. making an impact. <laughs> back with a vengeance. That's what man. I would say. Uh, definitely making an impact. And you know, there's a there was a point in that game last night where they called a timeout and they were down, and Marcus Smart of all people starts laying into everybody. Laying mm-hmm. into everybody, laying into Isaiah. Like, didn't he didn't take no prisoners? Jay Crowder, Isaiah, Al Horford, all of them, and a switch flipped, and all of a sudden they go on this run, and they're they're putting up points, putting up points, putting up points, and they end up winning the game. And you know, I'm looking at it today. I'm going back and looking through everything, and you know, 
to a man, all the players said, yeah, that was, we needed that. We needed that. And from Marcus Smart of all people, yes, Marcus Smart's an energy guy and he's a, he's a passionate player, but he's, he's, he's a young guy on the team. He's not a veteran. He's not a leader of this team. He's a six man. He doesn't play, you know, he doesn't, he plays big minutes, but he doesn't play a huge role on the, the leadership of this team. That's something that I would think a Jay Crowder or an Isaiah Thomas would do, but they needed that. They needed that and they needed it big. And, Al Horford has come back and looked just how he looked before he left, you know, no issues and playing well and getting double doubles and doing what he needs to do. But, you know, that wins against the Detroit Pistons. I'm not going to get excited about the Detroit Pistons. You got to be, you got to beat some top teams. Let's see how you match up with the Cavs. Let's see how you match up with, you know, Charlotte and the teams, the the meat of the, of the Eastern conference, but good step that they're actually playing well now, at least they're playing and at least they're going in the right direction now. That's all I, that's all I was looking for because before they were they looked like they had no direction. So at least they have some sort of momentum to build on and hopefully it continues going forward because they, they need to get on some sort of a run here to keep this keep the season going here. Yeah. And uh, you know, when things were going a little bad recently, uh Isaiah Thomas called out his teammates and the coaching staff yeah. and yeah. apparently uh Allen Iverson really? texted him and uh told him, uh, keep doing your thing. Yeah, they're they're actually pretty they're actually pretty close. I know Isaiah was at AI was inducted in the Hall of Fame this year, and I know AI, uh, that Isaiah was there. But yeah, that's that's exactly what needs. You know, they they needed that, and they needed last night especially because who was ever really called out in the NBA? Who calls out the big coaches? Like, does anyone call Greg Popovich? No, that doesn't no. happen. You don't call. No one's at this point has questioned Brad Stevens at all, even though he's had he's had. Little success in the playoffs, but you can tell that he's a coach, that he's up and coming, that he knows what he's doing, and that this team rallies around him. And that's the first time I've ever heard anybody call out Brad Stevens. And mm-hmm. it looked like it was kind of going off the rails there for a little bit. So Al Horford and Jake Crowder coming back at the perfect time. They needed that. They needed these last two wins. And it looks like they're, for now, back on track, which is they needed that. They needed that big time for this season. And I think – Reality set in that they did read their clippings too much. That they, that they realized, okay, we're we're better than this. We need to get back to what yeah. we were doing. And last night was a perfect example of that. Scrapping back, being down by a lot, coming back at the end of that game, and, and showing some stones, and showing the team that they were last year. Be basically becoming the team they were last year and coming back like that. They needed that big time. They are uh, seeming to play a lot better on the road. Yes. Is that me? Or is that no? No. That that's 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 kind of their. I wouldn't say it's their their thing, but it's. It's up. They do play well on the road, and I think it's, it's the whole underdog mentality from last year. The whole you know we have a chip on our shoulder thing. I think when they go on the road, you kind of have to do that when you're in another building, especially when you're in Detroit where the building is loud and they get on you and they go after you and, you know they they have to have that mentality and especially on the road. And I think that that's only going to help them. That's only going to help them. They got to get back to what they did so well last year, which was playing with a chip on their shoulder playing like they were like it was the last game they were going to play and last night that's what i saw at the end of that game last night and going back to the detroit game with al horford and the tip and marcus smart getting in in on that last play of the game and tipping it back to al horford you know they need those plays those are the type of plays they need to happen for them to be successful you can't you can't just waltz into a game with isaiah thomas and al horford and say oh we're going to win this game no big no you got to scrap you got to battle and that last night and the detroit Pistons game that shows me they're moving in the right direction at least i can say that much yeah you know the one thing I just wonder there too. Uh, so you think it had a good a good effect what uh, Thomas did? I think calling it, out his teammates and the coaching last, staff. I think last night did. I don't think what Thomas did was had a good effect. I think that was the the pinnacle of it. That was the stopping point. That that happened. All of a sudden it, it flipped, 
and Marcus Smart comes out last night in that timeout and lays into him. I think last night getting beat down so bad in the first three quarters, it was a turning point. It's either we got to fight or we're going to go down. Like, are we really going to go down like this? Like, this is not us. We're not. We're not this team. And Marcus Smart of all people calling out Isaiah Thomas, calling out Al Horford, flipped the switch and, and gave him a spark. So Marcus Smart more than anything was was the point to me that. All right, that, well, we shall see. That's what I, I see. I look at that. And I they, see, look, uh, that's got to happen. They are in Brooklyn tomorrow to take on the Brooklyn Nets. The woeful Brooklyn Nets. Will we have uh, we have Celtics pregame on for that? Uh, oh, no, because no, we have the Turkey Bowl. No, turkey yeah. Bowl tomorrow night. Turkey yeah. Bowl tomorrow. That's right. The big Turkey Bowl is yes. right. Uh, but the Celtics are in Brooklyn tomorrow. Of course, they almost blew that game against yes. Brooklyn in the season opener. Yes. So maybe uh, they, they go down there and they take business, they take should. care of business there. And uh and blow them out of the water like they should because they Brooklyn should. is just not good. No, they're horrible. The Washington, they're, the generals, they're really, they are. You know, and, and you own their first-round draft pick this year. So these are games you, you really got to take care of. You got to beat the Brooklyn Nets, and you got to hope that everyone else beats the Brooklyn Nets because you own their first-round draft pick. It's huge. Well, we are going to switch gears in the next segment. Back to hockey. Talk with Rich Seely, the head coach of the Manchester Monarchs. And then we'll go to TD Garden. Uh, and talk to Ty Anderson of WEEI.com about the Bruins as we lead into the Bruins pregame show from 6 to 7 p.m. here after the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Stay with us. Make it stop if you got beauty, beauty. Just raise-